Street veteran Bernard Madoff has been arrested and charged with running a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. Congress wants to know what caused the Enron meltdown. Now, well, the collective rage currently is focused on Wilcom. Tyco CEO Dennis Koslowski was convicted of looting hundreds of millions of dollars. This is one of the biggest fraud cases ever. Their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Find out more on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Houses are expensive. As a millennial, the dream of owning a home is just that, a dream. The reason that I will never own a home is because I'm poor and chasing my dreams. And I'm a bad runner. So, never gonna, never gonna do that. But that aside, owning a home does seem to be harder than ever these days. But what if someone had faith in me? What if someone said, I know you may never be able to pay this loan, but I'm going to give it to you anyways because I know that you can do it. Well, that was the mortgage loan company that was Countryside. Does giving loans to those who can't afford them seem like a good idea? Why or why not? Find out on today's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Uh, See, it's funny because someone actually already did that with you when they gave you money to go get a theater degree. (laughs) It's really fucking rude. (laughs) Uh, It's really rude. I don't appreciate that at all. Uh, also, uh, sorry, everyone right now, if you're watching the video, uh, you can tell that, uh, Nina's Wi-Fi is run off of a potato. So her video is, is getting a little choppy. Uh, if you're listening on an audio medium, you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> but that's okay. Cause I know everyone who watches this just puts a post-it note over Nina's side of the screen. Just watches me anyway. You know what? Today I probably, I do kind of look as ugly as everybody oh thinks I am. Oh my God. I'm ill, just for the record. Nina got Rona, I, Rona Part 2. Rona 2, Electric Boogaloo. Nina's got it. Yeah. First, Kishan's girlfriend had it last week, which was why we had to record like this. And then I got coronavirus. It's been a week, and I'm finally, like, not dying. You you got to stop kissing my girlfriend. It's It's getting crazy. Um, I didn't even get it. She's so. supposed to be pleased if I don't kiss her. I, mm. She asks so nicely. <laughs> she is she is very polite. That is true. She's uh, so nice. <laughs> She's so nice. So, well, welcome back, everybody. Another episode of White Collars, Red Hands uh, with your boy, Kashan. And I'm Nina Kern. That's right. I'm not going to play into that your boy nonsense. All right, fine. Set up. Pass, try to pass the baton slapped in the face. That's okay. So off the topic of me and Kashan just verbally assaulting each other, um, I did want to shout out an article that was extremely helpful um, in today's episode that um, did give a lot of detail. Kind of like we shot out, shouted out that one news source for the Brett Favre. I wanted to do the episode. I wanted to do that with um, this episode as well. Um, I do want to shout out Auburn University Center for Ethical Organization Cult- Organizational Cultures, the college, Auburn University. They had a very fantastic in-depth article on this topic, and it was extremely helpful when I was researching. So countrywide, let's talk about them. 
Well, Countrywide was founded in 1969 by David S. Loeb and Angelo Mazzillo. Loeb was actually Mazzillo's former mentor. And unfortunately, before all this bullshit happens with them, Loeb retired in 2000 and he actually died in 2003. Oh, man. So he got to miss um, everything that we're going to talk about today. Probably good for Loeb. Good to get out uh, of there honestly, early. I think it is good for him. Um, it would be kind of hard to watch. I think it would be hard to watch the company that, spoiler alert, that you built up crumble at the hands of your partner. That's fair. It's a real, um, oh, what's that? Ebenezer Scrooge and Jacob Marley. It's a real Eben. It's a real Scrooge and Marley situation. Cla- classic analogy. Everyone's talking about the old Scrooge and Marley. It, the, if they know anything, they are. Man, he, I just can't believe he built this bank up completely all across the nation, like literally countrywide, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> These are the chains I forged in life. Oh, stop making Christmas Carol references. It's <laughs> summer, okay? It's not summer. It's May. Anyways, Loeb already had a mortgage lending company before he and Mozilla founded Countrywide Credit Industries in New York. Later, the headquarters were moved to Pasadena, California, and then to Calabasas, California. In the beginning, Countrywide was really a pioneer in the nationwide non-bank mortgage industry. So they're not they're not a bank. No, they are a mortgage. They uh, lend more. They lend money. Well, what the fuck does a bank do? Well, I, you know what? Because they also just have accounts, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they're more of like a mortgage lender. They just give credit out, I, I guess. And banks, yeah, banks just also do that, but they do other things. Is, so that's is that? Am I right in that? So basically, from my understanding, they. We're just giving out mortgages. Uh, so they're just a creditor. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Mazzillo was really, like, when he started this, he really did try to do it in the most, um, what's the word I want to use? Just, like, really tried to be a straightforward guy, really tried to do everything the right way. Unfortunately, greed does, like, consume him like it does with everybody we talk about on these episodes yeah but um in the beginning he was really concerned with the quality of credit borrowers and the actual quality of their of countrywide's loans and subprime loans came into the scene in the late 80s and early 90s and countrywide didn't participate in them because mozilla was really against it and he called people who gave out subprime loans crooks I mean, now it's pretty true and they're just preying on the poor yeah. right yeah and if you don't know what a subprime loan is a subprime a subprime loan is a type of loan which is offered at a rate above prime to a rate above prime to individuals who don't qualify for prime rate loans yeah. So if, if you want to learn uh, comprehensively more about it, listen to our Lehman Brothers episode where we cover their collapse uh, during the um, the subprime mortgage bubble of 2008 that caused the recession. So we go very in-depth on what a subprime uh, mortgage and loan is there. Yeah. So these people who look for subprime loans, they often have been turned down by lenders because of low credit scores or lack of income. 
So it was actually a good thing that Mozilla was against these. And they do seem like, like, I mean, and as we saw with the Lehman Brothers episode, how dangerous these types of loans can be. And we'll see in today's episode how dangerous these types of loans can actually be. But in the early 2000s, Countrywide began accepting subprime loans because they were losing business to subprime lenders. So in the beginning um, of their the birth of their company, the initial public offering was actually not super successful. The company so the company was stock trading over the counter, which I didn't I forgot that was a thing. We talked about it last week. <laughs> Did we really? Yeah, because um they're I've had COVID, I have brain fog. Uh the company had they were delisted. Um, but they actually came back on that's luck and coffee. They came back. Yeah. They came back up and they were, they're trading over the counter at like $15 a share, which is actually pretty crazy. And over the counter stock trading that high. Yeah. Well, these were not, they were not over the, they were not that successful. They were only, um, in the beginning trading for less than a dollar per share, which is actually more, more common. Like Mm -hmm. that's what penny stocks are. Uh, that's mm-hmm. how Jordan Belfort built his wealth, that and the um, the pump and dump scheme that he was running with them. But th- that's for a different episode. Yep, I was actually going to say we need to do that episode one day. Yeah. In 1985, Countrywide stock was relisted on the New York Stock Exchange. So, over the course of time, I'm going to be skipping around a little bit this episode because um, this story doesn't benefit from chronological order. Unfortunately, um, so I'm skipping to like the 2000s, but by by the time Countrywide was at its prime, Countrywide stock was described as a 23,000 percent stock by Fortune magazine, and this me this is why because between 1982 and 2003, Countrywide delivered investors at a 23,000 percent return. That. That is two hundred and thirty times the initial uh, the initial investment. That's mm-hmm. crazy. If you invest a dollar, you get two hundred and thirty dollars back. Yep. Okay. Yep. No, so, and you no, know sounds what? legit. Bro. I I didn't. I was like the first time I saw that. I was like, that can't be right. And then I found like three or four more articles that said the same thing, and I was like. I guess it's right. That's that's insane. I mean, they have to, they have to be doing something illegal, right? Like, well, right. And th- this exceeded the returns of Washington Mutual and Walmart. Like, you know that Walmart people have gotten so much money back on their returns. It's like insane. Although they've had all this success, just like any big company. Countrywide has had its fair share of controversies. Okay, I'm going to talk about the little things first, and then we're going to talk about the big one. Or their their CEO kick a puppy or something? I wish. I wish it was only that. All right. It's not uncommon for big companies to make, or any company, to make their employees work overtime. But... In 2003, Countrywide was slapped with a class action lawsuit for overtime violations. 
Country Time was charged with employees working 10 to 15 hour days and making them work six to seven days, six to seven days a week without overtime compensation. But when I was reading this about the 10 to 15 hour days, it did, Kashan, do you remember that one time that you and I had to work a 16 hour day? Do you remember that? Yeah, that's not even my record. My record is 19 and a half hours. Oh my God. Yeah. At the restaurant that we met at? Yeah. I worked from 11 a.m. until like 4 a.m. Oh my god! So I guess that's on, that. That is less. I I, I did overstate. It's like 17. Still, uh, yeah. I'll never forget that 16 hour day. I do think we got a free meal, but that was we definitely didn't get a break. It's not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely didn't get a break. So I rather work. But- I rather work one 16 hour day than these people. They're working six to seven days a week, 10 to 15 hour days. That's like 60 to what, 60 to 80 hours in a week. I much rather work one 16 hour day and be at like 50 hours than work like 60 to 80 hours over the course of a week. They both suck. Yeah, they both suck, especially if I'm not getting paid overtime. But I'm saying I that's the one I prefer. I know they both suck, but you still have to choose one. Well, unlike Kashan and I, the lawsuit was settled in 2005 and paid out $30 million in compensation compensation to about 400 account executives. And so according to my math, each person got about $75,000, which isn't fair. I want $75,000. That's more than people make in a year. It's more than I've ever made in a year. Depending on how long it was going on for, some people might have lost more than that. I, I did think that. I was like, hmm. Like, if they worked for 10 years. It- yeah, probably, but still. Now, the next thing isn't a lawsuit or anything like that. It's just a shitty fun fact. But Countrywide does a really in-depth background check on all their employees that goes beyond a typical background check. Oh, they do stick, and up, now, stick obviously- a finger up their asses or something? Be like, we're checking you for polyps. Uh, Hell you, yeah, You can't do. have polyps if you're going to work here. Bend over my desk. Yep. They do. They do. They actually, there's a whole category a on whole. Pornhub of countrywide porn. Oh, great. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever watched it, but that's it's all like, I, that's actually all I watch. So you've, you've hit on my niche. Oh, wow. You like countrywide porn? Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's why I started this. Even, <laughs> e- even my porn is financial. Yeah. <laughs> And now applicants can obviously say no, that they don't want this extensive of a background check done, but Countrywide would not even consider applicants who didn't agree to the super extensive background check. So if you really want the job, you've got to do it, which is shitty. And you know what? I don't know. I understand why we have background checks. I understand why we need background checks. But sometimes I think they're stupid because I'm like, do you know how many people are doing shit that they don't get caught for? Okay, so the next like three things we talk about were really shitty. But this one is like, hmm, I just don't know how you have that much of a lack of empathy. Is basically where I'm coming from with this. Like, what kind of human are you? So when hurricanes Katrina, Gustav, and Rita hit, Countrywide allegedly told loan customers that they could take a break in their payments and that they, they, and like obviously people who just went through a natural disaster should have time to take a break from their payments because they literally have just lost 
everything. Yeah, also, it's you, want them like, to, you want them to pay a mortgage on that home that like isn't there anymore. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, I mean, I get it. You have to pay back the money that you borrowed, but you can't just expect people who've gone through this type of natural disaster to be paying on their loans. I feel like they've got a few more things to worry about. Like, I don't know where they're going to sleep. I mean, I think that's just anybody's common sense. But they promised that their countrywide promised that there would be no late fees and that the payments would be added back at the end of the loan. Well, people then came out and said that Countrywide forced people to pay their missing payments in a lump sum with along with late fees and were told that if they didn't pay within 30 days that they would face foreclosure, which is like really, really shitty. Also, how are you going to foreclose on a house that's not there? Yeah, also like if I was those people, you can have it. Have fun. Yeah, but then that, but then that wrecks your credit. Uh, yeah, here's the thing. I'm going to get. I'm going to cl- claim bankruptcy, and then my credit's in the shitter for a little bit, and then after seven years, bam. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it can. It but helps it, people's credit in the in the long run, honestly. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's just so shitty to be like you know to say one thing and then turn around. And do something else. Oh, yeah, especially to victims of a natural disaster, of course. Yeah, because that is completely out of their control. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen to you that are out of your your control. But that one especially, like, you can't, you can barely plan for that. You know what I mean? There's one thing where you're like, where I've heard people make the argument, and I'm not saying that it's right and it's a very elitist thing to say, but when people lose their jobs, they're like, oh, you should have a savings account. You should have this. You should have that. You should have these things in place for in case in case you, like, have a foreseeable issue. But natural disasters are not even a foreseeable issue. No. Well, yeah. I mean, if you, if you live in Louisiana at this point. Well, that's it. Yeah. Or Tornado yeah, Alley. But- But they have one of the highest rates of poverty, and then they can't move out of their situation. Yeah. No, it's fair. So that's a a big reason why those people lose everything, because they can't afford to leave. Very elitist of countrywide. Putting the cunt in countrywide. Had to sneak it in. I had to. Had to sneak it in. It's what the outline's named, so I just knew it was sneaking in there at some point. I had to do it. I had to do it. I was like, he's going to be so annoyed when he sees this. Um, and you know me so well, because I was. <laughs> there was also another scandal. I'm not going to get too in-depth with it. But, like, basically, Countrywide was also um, giving higher rate loans, like, overcharging people of color. Oh, my and, God. Of course they were. Yeah. And, like... Um, Countrywide they, sounds like a racist bank. I Like... Oh, they're all shitty, but cut. it's got country in the name. It sounds racist. Country in the name. Like, it's just, it's just there, you know? It's there. But um, they ended up getting, they ended up paying some lawsuits in uh, that whole, they ended up paying out. And then they were like, oh, we promised to, um, to definitely train our employees better to make sure that this doesn't happen. But it was like, 
That it was so shitty. And then, like, one of their executives was quoted saying that, like, well, you have to bend the rules a little bit and, like, and, uh, so that you could, so that you can get homes for minorities. Like, he was quoted saying that. And they were giving loans to people of color who, like, clearly could not pay their loans back. So, real shitty people. All those other shitty things aside, these next two things are really the meat and potatoes of why we are talking about Countrywide. Drop on your boots, pull up your suspenders. I don't know who you think is listening to this, but yeah, sure. It's either it's either hipsters or like workmen from the 1920s. Like, is that, I guess that's who you're talking to. I was trying to get a country theme. Oh, okay. I was like, I was trying to be punny, but it wasn't working. Anyways. So, in 2008, the countrywide financial political loan scandal was uncovered that certain politicians were given favorable mortgage rates. They don't need favorable mortgage rates. They're rich. I know. And that's what's so shitty about all of this is because they're giving these high rates to people who are low income, people who they know can't pay back their mortgages, and then people who can pay this stuff, they're giving them a deal. Shitty. And you want to know how they got into these, uh, how these politicians and other people got these favorable loans, these favorable mortgages? They were part of a program called the FOA. Um... Do you know what FOA stands for, Kashan? Uh, the Fair Skins Only Association, because they wouldn't give mortgages to people that didn't have a fair complexion. Um, no, it was um stood for Friends of Angelo, who is the CEO. Oh, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, when I found out that's what FLA stood for, I was like, I like sat at my computer and just laughed. I was like, that's dumb. Stupid people shouldn't be able to commit crime. Uh, I feel like crime should only be able to be committed by like supervillains and make it so much more interesting. We want to well, get stupid names like this. It's so stupid. It's the stupidest name. But some people who benefited from this program were Senate Banking Committee Christopher Dodd. Senate Budget Committee Kent Conrad, which is a really hard name to say, Kent Conrad. But anyway, and the reason they got the most heat for this and a big reason for that was because Countrywide's Political Action Committee had also made huge donations to Dodd's campaign. Just shitting where they sleep. Perfect. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And while in office, Dodd ended up advocating that the government ensure up to $300 billion in refinanced mortgages through the FHA. Q, I've got friends in low places. Continuing the country thing. Got it. Mm-hmm. Continuing it. Um, the Wall Street Journal also reported that two former CEOs of Fannie Mae, the lending company, also received loans from Countrywide for their houses. The CEOs, not Fannie Mae itself. Fun. If that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. 
And like one of them, the house was, it was like this insane mansion with a movie theater and a pool. And it's like, do you really need a favorable loan if you're going to be making that, building that kind of house or buying that kind of house? Um, no. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. There are a bunch of politicians especially that benefited from these low rates on their loans. Like it was like sliced in half. It wasn't even like a little bit like of a little bit of a deal. Like, no, their rates were slashed in half. It was insane. And on June 18th, 2008, a congressional ethics panel started examining these allegations because people were like, hey, this is shitty. Like, what the fuck? And they started And 2008 is actually like the big year that everything is going to 07 to 09 is when Countrywide really starts to go downhill. And so all all the mortgage lenders. Well, all of them. They were part of the big bust. Um, But the Congressional Ethics Panel started examining these allegations. And based on my research on this end of it, I don't think a lot came out of it. Like this part of it, people didn't get in trouble for. I'm not going to say too much. There is some trouble that people got into, but this aspect of it, there wasn't a lot of backlash. But Christopher Dodd, who got all that money from Countrywide, did not end up running for re-election after the scandal broke out due to cri- criticism for that he faced from it. And uh, to that, I say good. His name does sound really familiar, though, and I have no idea why. Yeah, it. I also was like... It sounded more familiar than what this was. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. That's why I was like, has he done something else? Dodd then served as chairman and chief lobbyist for the Motion Picture Association of America. What? I wouldn't know. Dodd is a close advisor to President Joe Biden. That's why. He's the advisor to Joe Biden. Dodd is a close advisor to President Joe Biden and has served on his vice presidential selection committee. All right. Well, mystery solved. Yeah, don't worry, guys. This didn't ruin his career. He's still around. Still here. Because every politician, your favorite, think if you are a crazy person and you have a favorite politician, they've done some shit. They've done some shit. I guarantee it. Bernie Sanders. I like Bernie Sanders. He's, He's done some shit. AOC. She's done some shit. Uh, fucking, if you're on the other side of the aisle, they done a lot of shit. Uh, so, politicians suck. I hate everything. Mm. I hate everything. You know what I hate even more? Those subprime loans we were talking about earlier. You remember them? All that shitty stuff we talked about, you kind of forgot about it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, there were documents that came out subprime documents that showed that there was a policy that allowed countrywide to lend families with as little as a thousand dollars in disposable income they were allowed to give them loans like and these are on, that- they're only giving mortgages right so they're only giving loans in the hundreds of thousands of dollars for these people to buy a house even though they have like a one thousand dollars yeah of disposable income yeah uh-huh. and they're doing this usually would have to when i say usually it made people have to compromise on their living expenses by getting these loans and like 
yeah, the individual does know that they're signing what they're signing up for when they borrow these money. But I think that sometimes a lot of people are kind of in between a rock and a hard place. And they like don't really have another option. So because like, yeah, let's be real. Like, let's say that your credit is shit. You can't people aren't going to rent to you if you're you know, depending on what, how bad your credit is. And if you have a family, like the only places that you can live are potentially very dangerous because you don't have a lot of money. You have low credit and you don't want your children raised in that environment. These people are then some, I feel like a lot of people feel forced to take on these loans to just try to make life better for their family. Well, and this is all set up. Uh, once again, go back and listen to the Lehman's Brothers episode, but they had uh, been building more houses because the housing market had been booming uh, mm-hmm. because of this. It created a bubble. So that's also the thing is that more people were wanting to move into a house more than ever because there were more houses available. Um, so the housing market was good. And if you're probably, you're probably, uh, those of you who are financially astute right now are probably being like, how could a bank be giving out these mortgages that seem kind of doomed to fail? Like, aren't they going to lose their money? Um, just remember, we talked about what mortgage-backed securities were, and that played a big factor into this this bubble. I'm not going to re-go. I'm not going to go over all of it now, but go go back and listen to that Lehman Brothers episode if you if you want to know more about that. Yeah, or I'm also going to talk a little bit about why some of this happened too. Um, I'm not going to talk about mortgage-backed securities, but there's another aspect of this that we're going to cover in just a minute that explains like what the benefit also was for. Um, these companies to do this sort of thing. Um, Also, it was also said that Fannie Mae Foundation, which is another loan. What what would you call them? A loan? Uh, They're, they're a uh, government backed lender. Yeah. They do. They do. They do a lot of like, um, they do more student loans. They they do a lot of student loans. I know that for. Yeah. And countrywide's low-income loans had grown to six hundred billion by two thousand and three. That's insane. That's insane. Your low-income loans are at six hundred billion dollars. You should never be allowed to get to that point. And they're like, not like, anymore. This was every bank circa this time. So. I know, but it's still just mind-blowing. It's just insane. And some have said that salespeople, so the so the people who are, you know, selling these loans, getting people to sign on to these loans, were given incentives to take on riskier clients in order to keep the company growing at a rapid rate. And Countrywide had been doing really well for a really long time. But in 2007, Countrywide's annual report came out as less than stellar. In one year, the company had depreciated over $20 billion and took a billion dollars in losses. Mm, So this is when that bubble is starting to break that we were talking about earlier. Um, And by the time 2008 rolled around, Countrywide had accrued over $8 billion in subprime loans with a delinquency rate of 7%. 
that's way higher than the average delinquency rate at the time of 4.6%. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the whole problem. (laughs) Well, yeah, that is the whole problem. But in 2008, the number of foreclosures doubled and the company laid off like between 10 to 20% of its employees. And it was, again, in 2008, it was reported that 500,000 countrywide customers were at risk for being foreclosed on. It was also discovered at this time that Countrywide had been giving out what was called liar loans. And a liar loan is a loan that requires no proof of an individual's income or assets. And it was stated that about 90% of the people who applied for these loans overstated their income by at least 50%. Oh, that was like the person in the Lehman Brothers, they worked at like KFC, but they reported making like not like $80,000 a year or something, but they were mm-hmm. just they were just faking all of the documents. They were just like literally making them make whatever it would take to get them approved. Like they would just lie, they would lie on their documents. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. It's just crazy. It's also crazy like I'm really not trying to victim blame, but you know that like that can't end well. People want the house. The houses are, uh, so here's the thing. In my personal opinion, a house is the most reckless thing you can buy for the most part. Mm -hmm. And I think more uh, people rush into it way too quickly into buying a house because it's, a huge investment and responsibility. And there is no, like people try to try to say like you're guaranteed to make money on your house, but you're not, you really have to pay attention to the market, know when you're buying, know what you're buying and know what you're doing before you get into it. But these people don't care because the banks make money just from you getting the loan, which is once again, the problem they make money from you getting in the, just getting the loan because then they, put it into the mortgage-backed security, they get their commission, they see their money, and they don't give a fuck what happens after that. So so lie. They don't care. Get Just give out as many loans as you can because we get paid no matter what. We don't, we, don't, we don't care if they default. That's on the stupid investors that invested in the mortgage-backed securities. We don't care if that happens. But, you know, people, people want houses for some reason because of the American dream. It's, a sta- it's like the ultimate status symbol that you own your own home. I mean, how, have you ever been looked down on for renting? Probably. I don't feel like I have been. I, I have from people that I know back in a hometown that they're like, you don't own a house. I'm like, I live in Chicago, not the boondocks. I'm sorry. You know, you can own a house out there, but I'm not well, owning a house in Chicago. Luckily, I haven't really had a lot of that. I think because people know I live in Chicago, they just assume I don't have a home. But I, but to say I, that's our experience. But people experience that a lot. There's a lot of people oh, that like. Oh, like, and oh, I know you, that oh, like you rent. Like, what are you poor? That's how people see it a lot. Yeah, and I mean, I will say that growing up, I had that kind of mindset. Unfortunately, I just didn't. Everybody I knew owned their own home. You know what I mean? Like everyone in my family had a house. Now, they, now what I didn't know because I was a kid was that they had a mortgage and that they didn't own that house. And, you know, I didn't understand all of that. Plus, when they bought but, the house, it probably cost like five nickels. Well, right. So. Right. And um, I remember when I was in, I became friends with this girl in like fourth or fifth grade and her family rented. And I was like so confused that they didn't, I was like, 
what? I don't think I would, I would hope I wasn't nasty. I don't remember ever being nasty to her about it, but I just remember being really confused. I was like, how do you not, how does your parents not have a house? Oh, I mean, that's how this happens, but it's still just, I would have to think, you know, it's not going to end well, but why do people rush into car? People do the same thing with cars. Yeah. There'd be a lot of people are really bad at, at fiscally planning. So no, that's true. That's true. Well, how did Countrywide get caught? How did all this, how was this all discovered? Well, there are about five main whistleblowers in total, but the one I'm going to talk about, his name is Kyle Legau. Now, Kyle Legau worked as an appraiser for Countrywide and accused the company of inflating appraisals on the government-issued mortgage-backed loans. So, the company that he worked for, so Countrywide worked, since they were Countrywide, they worked with a lot of different companies. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And yeah. those companies worked for Countrywide. Yeah. So they would hire out like independent appraisers and then they would, you know. Okay, great. That makes sense. Well, the company he worked for was actually called LandSafe Incorporated and they were a unit of Countrywide that was located in Plano, Texas. Legal worked from the, for the company from 2004 to 2008. So what would happen was Countrywide would send their home appraisals through LandSafe for evaluation and LandSafe would approve would provide an appraisal value for whatever countrywide asked for. So sometimes the properties were being appraised for $80,000 more than what they were actually worth. Mm -hmm. um, then the FHA would insure the home mortgages, and then the government was forced to repay countrywide when the inflated amounts, when, those, when the people who borrowed the money of the inflated accounts defaulted on their loans, Countrywide still was being paid by the government, which like you're an asshole for doing that. You're an asshole. You don't care that people can't pay these loans. You don't care what happens to people. You just want your money. Hey, don't worry. I'm sure the government took the houses they got from this and gave them to homeless people. That sounds yeah. like something our government would do, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what I heard they did. How do you fix homelessness? Not by giving them homes, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Nope, not that way. And Legal also recounts that Countrywide would put a lot of pressure on appraisers to go to overinflate the home values so that they could get larger federal loans. And Countrywide would reward appraisers who produced 400 appraisals and reviews per month. Holy shit. And he said if you're Yeah, and he said if you're actually doing your job correctly, this is like impossible. Yeah, you you would to, never like, be able to do this. You have to visit all the places. Like you physically have to be there. You can't do that. No, That's more no. than 10 a day. Right. Exactly. Um, the other issue with this is the obvious is that it would screw over homeowners. So most homeowners didn't even know that they were being duped until they would go to sell their home. And then they would hire an independent appraiser. And then they would find out what their home was actually worth. Woof. Could you imagine that? I'd be pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> That would be horrible. Like you pay $200,000 for a house and then you get your an independent appraiser when you try to go and sell it. And then they're like, this house is worth $120,000. I guess that goes with like not really knowing the market, but. You can't know that that's why appraisers are a thing. <laughs> right. Right. 
It's just, ugh. And Legal says that he tried to speak to advisors about the fraud that was going on, and they basically just, like, told him to mind his own business. Um, he was eventually fired and was not given a reason for his termin- yeah, for his termination. So he went on to file a false claims act lawsuit against Countrywide, and um, the government actually rewarded him $14.5 million for helping in the case. He probably did that thing where he sued them um, as the government, and then you split the profits. We talked about that with um, LabCorp. So obviously Countrywide is going under and the company is plummeting. In 2008, Bank of America offered to buy Countrywide for $4.1 billion. And this was actually at a discount for what the company was actually worth. Bank of America reportedly paid $8 a share when the company was actually valued earlier that year at $20 a share. So they did kind of take an L. But according to a published to the article I talked about earlier that was published by Auburn University, and this is kind of a long quote, but I felt like it really I didn't know how else to try to reword this and dumb it down. But according to Kenneth D. Lewis, a chair president and CEO of Bank of America, said at the time, we are aware of the issues within the housing and mortgage industries. The transaction reflects those challenges. Mortgages will continue to be an important relationship product, and we now will have an opportunity to better serve our customers and enhance the future profitably. And when Bank of America took over, they had over they had about like 1.5 trillion in assets. So they were actually equipped to dealing with these major issues at Countrywide. And for a while, they didn't think that Countrywide was going to take the money because it was so low, but liar loans were actually a really big part of this. Um, The public was really outraged when they found out about the liar loans, and I don't think Countrywide thought that they could bounce back from that, and so it was one of the reasons why they opted to sell to Bank of America. Yeah, man, just get out now. Make, I mean, make I don't whatever blame money them. you make whatever money you can and and get get out. You're done. <laughs> yeah, you fucked up. I was actually like when I found out when doing this that Bank of America um took them over, I was like, "You lucky bastards. Like you're lucky. You could have just went under." Yeah. That could have happened. But when Bank of America took over, they did keep um, an employee named David Samble, who was the executive managing director of business segment operations at Countrywide. Could you imagine that on a placard? It doesn't even fit on his desk. His little little desk thing is like running off the edge of his desk. He's like, yeah, I don't know. It's like they, uh, you know how much this costs? You got to pay by the letter, man. This thing was $300. But whatever. But look at it. Isn't she beautiful? But I got the money. It pays to be the executive managing director of business segment operations at Countrywide. Well, when they kept him on, they also paid him a compensation package. But I'm not really sure why they did that. Spent all the money on the desk runner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in March 2008, Bank of America set up a $20 million retition for sample that was to be paid over the first two on the first two anniversaries of the merger. So he'd get $10,000, I'm sorry, $10 million the first year and then $10 million the second year. 
And he was also, he as well as $8 million in restricted stock. So he made out pretty good. Great. Um, Mazzillo, CEO Mazzillo, one of the founders, was given $100 million in severance. Sorry, he was given a $100 million severance package when the takeover happened. Pretty damn nice. So People- nothing bad happened to him, basically. Just wait. Just wait. Okay. Just wait. Just wait. Um, people were actually really mad about Sample because he was so fundamental in the downfall of Countrywide. They were like, why is he getting all this extra money and why is he allowed to keep his job? Um, the public was so outraged over this that it led Congress to look at countries that were, I'm sorry, not countries, companies that were involved in the subprime mortgage market. Well, because of all this and the investigation and Congress doing all this stuff, the SEC ended up investigating Angelo Mazzillo for fraud. Shocking. Okay. Shocking. Well, the SEC was concerned about countrywide stock options because Mazzillo made $400 million between 2002 and 2008. What the fuck? Okay. Business Week, which is a magazine, if you're not aware, Business Week published in 2007 that Mazzillo made $100 million more the previous year in stock sales. Mazzillo is quoted saying, and it's a sorry, again, a long quote, I have not sold any stock to my recollection in 10 years. Everything was sold was options. The selling is because when the options expire, I no longer have the benefit of what I have built and what this team has built for the last 40 years. Up until this debacle, I curated $25 billion in value for shareholders. There have been very few, only about 11 stocks, that have performed better over the last 25 years than Countrywide. I could have sold all those shares at 40 bucks a share, and I didn't because I want to be aligned with the shareholders. Did you buy that, Kashan? That's fucking bullshit. Yeah. It's some of the no biggest one bullshit I've ever it. heard in my life. Like, yeah, no one believed that. All right, bro. Uh, there were multiple lawsuits that happened, many talking about the things we talked about earlier in the episode, but one lawsuit stated that there was a lack of internal controls and that, and obviously, there was a lack of internal controls and that Mozilla was actually being paid $10 million more than what was actually being reported every so, year. So it was reported like $100 million, but he actually got paid $110 million, so they reported yeah. like a 10% less. Okay, great. Fuck yeah. you, bro. Fuck yeah. you and your friends. The all the friends of Angelo. Yeah, all the FOAs can rot in hell. Although FOAs are SOBs. It was also claimed that Countrywide sold eight hundred and forty-eight million in stock between two thousand and four and two thousand and eight, and they pulled a real the Stewart and inflated the prices using insider information. The insider information part is what I'm talking about with Martha Stewart. She used insider information. And in 2010, Countrywide agreed. So country, the Countrywide part of Bank of America mm-hmm. um, agreed to pay $600 million to settle all the class action lawsuits. 
Well, of course, the SEC charged both Mazzillo and Sample with, quote, misleading the market and not providing adequate disclosure about countrywide risks. Mazzillo was charged with insider trading and agreed to pay $67.5 million to the SEC and is permanently barred from serving on a board or as an officer of a company. Okay. Yep. Yep. Sample settled for $5.2 million and was barred from serving in a public, com- a public company for three years. Yeah, get it. Yeah. And fun fact, Mazzillo has the largest penalty that has been charged against a senior executive to date. Okay. Okay. So there was so, someone did get something in the subprime mortgage bubble. So yeah, that's, that's, justice that's okay. was kind of served. I mean, $67.5 million isn't really a dent in the $400 million you made from selling your stocks, but... Yeah. Hey, he didn't sell any stocks. He just sold the options. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, I forgot. I forgot. Well, that's our story about Countrywide. And unlike Nationwide, Countrywide was not on your side. They don't even have a jingle as far as I know. No, to my knowledge, they didn't. Countrywide is another example of extreme greed and the notion that those are struggling do not matter. Mazzillo and all the other executives at Countrywide had no issue stomping the poor underneath their shoes and rubbing their misfortune into the dust for their own gain. Luckily, This time, there was some slight justice that was served, but it doesn't account for the thousands of people whose lives were ruined because of the man, these men's greed. Thank you for listening. Fuck Countrywide. Fuck Countrywide, dude. They stuck their hands up people's butts. They did. It's fact because we said it on a podcast. That makes it a fact. That's where all facts are I don't know if you know this, Kashan. But everything anyone says on a podcast is fact. I know. Did you hear about there's a new crypto coin based on cock chain technology? I'm just looping in my own jokes from last week. Who cares? Because it's a fact. It is a fact. (laughs) What was it called? Cum Rocket? Oh, that was the that was the real one was Cum Rocket. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the real one. Yeah. Yeah. Cum Rocket. More than hits your eye. I don't know. It sounded like that sounded like the Transformers theme you were doing. So I just. I was doing a Hot Pocket jingle. I ran with it. It's that Hot Pocket. Come Rocket. You did like. Come Rocket. You know, that's Transformers more than meets the eye. All right. I was off my my uh, I was on in the wrong key I'm just saying come Rocket. Yum. Come. Uh, it's, it's the same All right, right thanks now. for Bye. listening, everybody. Yeah, let's go home. It, yeah, right? <laughs> We're both at home. But anyways, thanks for listening to this episode. Next week, Kashan and I will be in the same room. Thank God, Lord willing. Barring some something crazy. I don't even care if you have COVID next week. I'm coming. All right. I just had it. I mean, that's fair. Then Jesse just had yeah. it too, so it's not like, you know, whatever. I'm done. I'm done. I'm coming over. We're recording in person. <laughs> I don't care what happens. 
I'm coming. Well, that sounded weird. Okay, anyways. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you listened to and you want to support us, there's a couple different ways you can do that. First is to go follow us on all of our social media. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash white collars red hands. We are on Twitter at white collars pod. We are on Instagram at white collars underscore red hands. We are also on YouTube. You can watch our episodes on YouTube on Entertainment Buffet's channel. It's a cute little way for you to support us and for us to make a little bit of money. Um, if you want an Oh, another free way that you can support us is by leaving us a review. Um, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can re- leave us a review on Spotify. Yes, Spotify is doing reviews now. Please go rate us. Um, the biggest thing you can do, though, is to tell your friends and family about um, us. Also, listen... Ladies, if you are a lady listening to this show, there are so many men on dating apps that want podcast recommendations. And if you could just like give us a plug, that would be great. I would appreciate it more than you know, because what's better than a hot girl recommending a podcast to a desperate man? Not much. Not yeah. much better than that. Even if, and if you're a man on a dating app, the next time you coax someone to your apartment to tie them to a chair, uh, just force them to listen to this podcast instead. Uh, so, the whatever. perfect way to uh, support us. Yeah. If you want an unfree way to support us, you could buy our merch. Mother's Day is in uh, like four days. So if you get express shipping, you could get mom some white collars, red hands merch. You can do that by going to our website, clicking on the little thing that says merch, and then it'll take you to T Public where you can get mugs, you can get sweaters, you can get t-shirts, you can get mouse pads, pretty much anything you want. We've got a logo that can go on it. And what's better than your mom opening her gift and saying, what the fuck is this? So, you know, it's great. It's great. It's great. Perfect way to spread the word. Perfect, perfect, perfect. I think that covers it. Yeah, uh, if you have a suggestion, make sure to drop that at the email, whitecollarsredhands at gmail.com. You can also contact us straight through our website, whitecollarsredhands.com. That's also where you go to check out the merch, read our bios, listen to the episodes directly through an embedded uh, Apple podcast player, whatever you want to do. I think that's it. Now that's it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week on another episode of White Collars Red Red Hands. Hands.